It's good to see you all. Good morning. So, Emoji, that's our uh, series for uh, through this month and uh, a little bit of next month uh, uh, as well, I think. Um, and what we're doing is we're looking at habits of life. Emojis have become something that dominate our text messages and dominate life. Even if you don't like them, you're sent hundreds of them every week by somebody who's obviously in love with the whole thought. I'm pleased to say that I've never sent anybody an emoji ever, but I'm bombarded with lots of them. In fact, I listened to a, a piece on Radio 4 uh, where, where uh, somebody was on there and saying that he ran his whole business through emojis. He only sent messages consisting of emojis, and no wonder it's going bankrupt. That's my... <laughs> But anyway, emoji is what we're looking at, and this week, as Anna's already said, <coughs> we're looking <coughs> at worry. What we're actually doing is we're looking at the nine habits of Oasis based on the fruit of the Spirit. We're looking at nine habits to de- develop in your life that make for a good life, make for the best life, the kernel, the core of what it is to be molded into the character of Jesus and what we're doing is looking at those, uh, those values through the struggle of life that we all endure, each one of us, worry. We just read, or Danielle's just read, those beautiful words of Jesus, so poetic, taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, do not worry. Can you add a moment to your life through worry? Why do you worry about clothes? Don't you see that even the flowers are decked in glory. So don't worry. Wonderful poetic words. But the trouble with poetry is that we can't live our lives in poetic moments. We pause for poetic moments, but we live our lives in narrative, don't we? That tough old narrative of the struggle of Monday morning and onwards. So, I did a little bit of um, research around at this. Um, over the weeks, I ought to say, before saying anything else, what we're doing is um, we're looking at various emotions. How do I deal with regret? How do, is there a fix for boredom? Or am I going to be bored all my life or most of my life? How do I, are there techniques for getting anger under control? Is there any way to overcome the envy that burns into me sometimes when I look at others and compare their lives with mine. But today, can I break out of the prison that's called worry? Because lots of us end up in that prison. Um, I ought to say something else, which has nothing to do with what I'm saying right now, but I realise I should have said it before I started. Um, and that's at half past one, after, after we've finished and after we've had coffee, um, it'd be great if you could, if you wanted to, and if you can stay, come back in here at 1.30 for just half an hour, 1.30 to 2. We advertised this last week. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching based a little bit on what we did on Romans a few weeks ago and some new stuff on the four passages in the New Testament that are sometimes used as on uh, gay, um, uh, gay people. They are, of course, Romans chapter 
uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1, or some verses in it, and the words of Jesus, which are sometimes, in my view, lifted way out of context in Matthew 19. I'm going to do all of that in 15 minutes. It's going to be boom, 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 boom. I promise you, we're going to make a YouTube video, and we need some of you to listen and be the audience for that. So would, would you stay for that? So it's, we're saying 1.30 to 2, but it's only a 15-minute thing, and it allows just for a couple of retakes. That's completely blown what I'm saying about worry now, hasn't it? Although you're probably thinking, I should be worried about the fact that I've got to get all that into 15 minutes. Um, Jesus talks about, therefore do not worry, and yet our worlds are just filled with worry. Corrie ten Boom, you know that famous uh, Christian, Cornelia ten Boom, um, who died perhaps uh, 10, 15 years ago, but who became such a tower of strength to so many resisting Hitler's regime in the Second uh, World War. Uh, Corrie ten Boom said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. And though we deal with worries and concerns and stresses and anxieties all the time, we all know that, don't we? That if we let our worries get a grip of us instead of getting a grip of them, if we allow them to get on top of us, and sometimes for us all they do get on top of us, they become crushing. They become crushing. And they take away um, our capacity, not just for the joy of life, but our capacity to be productive. And we get caught up in a descending spiral. Things go wrong because things have gone wrong and more things go wrong because those things have gone wrong and our negative attitudes keep sending us downhill. So how do we reverse that spiral? I did do some research. What I did was I looked on the web at some top Christian speakers to see what they had to say about worry. Here is a, I'm not going to tell you who these people are. You probably listen to their podcasts, uh, but you've got to listen with care always. Do you know, just because a person's selling a load of books, it's normally because they live in America. <laughs> it's true. It's normally because they live in America. Big point there, actually, because we're driven by markets. See, if you work in America, you get a book deal, the market's huge. What about the guy, I'm thinking someone I know, who runs a church in a slum in, camp, uh, in Zimbabwe? He runs a church with 5,000 people in a slum in Zimbabwe. He's my friend. He runs a church that doesn't have a building, that has no chairs, that has no kitchen. But it's a group of 5,000 people who meet on a rubbish dump every Sunday. How do you grow a church amidst extraordinary economic poverty and hardship, political um, opposition? We should be right, right. We should be reading that bloke's book, shouldn't we? Because he's probably learned something deeper. Do you know why you're not reading his book? You can't get a big book deal. Why? Because he lives in Zimbabwe. Be careful what you read and who you listen to. Just because someone pops up on a podcast with a shiny face and thousands of people sat in front of them doesn't mean it's the truth. A very well-known Christian leader, their advice was this. So stop worrying about everything 
give it to God and live in grace. There you go, really useful. You're worried about your career, your mortgage, your health. You're worried about your children. You're struggling with the, with the breakdown of community. You're trying to scratch together enough money to pay your rent for this month. Stop worrying about everything. Give it to God and just live in grace. Here's another quote I picked up. Worry and worship are the exact opposites. And we'd all be much happier if we learned to become worshippers instead of worriers. The more you worship, the theme of this piece was, um, the, the less you'll worry. And if you worry, it's because you're just not a worshipper. If you're a real worshipper, you won't worry. Here's another great piece of advice. Worry is the opposite of faith. There you go. Worry is the opposite of faith. For anybody in this room who's worrying about anything, it's because you've got no faith. So get some faith and get your act together and become a real worshipper, and then things will go a lot better for you. These are all quotes that I've picked up over the last few days. And of course, some of this simplistic thinking is fueled by misunderstandings of biblical texts. So here is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. It's in chapter 4 of his letter to them. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So the Bible does say this. But our lived reality, experience of life, tells us, like Anna just confessed of herself in leading the service, worry is all around you and Anna's worries are all about the marking she's got to do this afternoon and whether I'm ever going to stop and allow her to get back to do it. (laughs) Jesus said this, "Um, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And actually, in the version that Daniel read from, if we're looking at the paper copy, you'll see that that whole section is headed, do not worry. So that's not part of the biblical text. It's just stamped there in the Bible. Do not worry. And Jesus begins, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. (coughs) So how do we tie all this together with our own lived experience of life? Here's a great quote. Worry's like a rocking chair. It's always in motion, but it never gets you anywhere. It's a great quote, but I don't think it's a true quote. I think that worry often gets you a long way. In fact, one of the things I say to people constantly is, when I get um, a solution that needs cracking, I worry around it on and on and on and on. I remember that when I listened to people in the local community and they said this community needed a secondary school and we applied to government to launch a new secondary school here because it had been needed for some 20 years, a free community school for everyone. You didn't need to have faith or be, you know, but there was a school for uh, C of E boys and Catholic girls, but if you were anything other than that, you were kind of stuck in the local area. And as we ran Johanna, the primary school, that voice came out loud and clear. So I worried about that. 
I worried about it for a long time and I thought, what can we do about it? And then we applied to government and then government said we could open a school and then they said they'd buy us a building. It's that building across the road, you know, where the hotel now is. It's got a bit higher since then. They said they'd buy us this building, which is really, really great. Who can stop worrying now? But then uh, government went around trying to buy us the building, which, in fact, a, di a different government department owned anyway. So it was a bit of, you know, the right hand not knowing what the left hand was doing. But in the process, the government managed to lose the building that they owned in the first place, and we never got that building. And we had 125 kids signed up for school, perhaps your, some of you parents are here and you'd signed up if you're in the first year of the South Bank School and there was no building. So I worried and worried and worried a lot. I don't mean it was just me that was worrying. I mean there was a whole little gang in Oasis and we were worrying. We were worrying around it. It kept me up late at night and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we hit on it. Why don't we turn our own building, we had offices here, into the secondary school? And the solution came through worrying. So worry might be a, like a rocking chair is always in motion and never gets you anywhere. Sometimes if worry is taken over in your life and has become debilitating, but sometimes worry drives you forward, doesn't it? You know, if, if it's, um, if it's uh, your partner's birthday tomorrow and you've not got them a birthday card, worry now. <laughs> Do you see? Jesus worried. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. He prayed. And he prayed, uh, he prayed. This is what's written about him. It says, Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. This was the night he was going to be betrayed, or had been betrayed. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about stone's throw from them and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. But being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And Luke says this, who's a doctor. Remember, Luke was a doctor it says, and being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I'm told by medical people I consult, that's real anxiety, that's real stress. He's really on the edge. In actual fact, we know that stress, worry, anxiety are good for us. I'm sure some of you have seen uh, diagrams like this before. It's a really common one. So you see along the bottom your stress level from 0 to 100 and uh, your performance level. If there's no stress in your life, you will be, as it says here, lame, inactive and bored. There's a healthy amount of tension in the green zone that means that you achieve your optimum performance and you're focused. Without some stress, Anna will never mark her papers. Without some stress, I wouldn't have 
the fact that 125 kids had booked up to come to this school, I would have never sat down to come up with a solution. We need some stress in our lives. In actual fact, people who find themselves in a position where there is no stress on them go lame and often go round in circles. Somebody who's been dispossessed of a job or a meaningful job, who feels they're doing nothing, they spiral downwards. They need the challenge of being pushed. But then we reach a peak performance. And the problem is, as you can see, but as I'm sure you know, that when stress grows too high, we begin to feel fatigued and exhausted. And then we begin to panic and anxiety really sets in and even anger becomes part of our life. And in the end, we burn out or we break down. We're overloaded. (coughs) So stress is healthy. Worry can be healthy. Worry is creative. Worry is productive. But overwhelming stress and anxiety destroys us. It eats away at us. It leaves us with nothing. Now, over the years, um, of course, I have to deal with stress and struggle like everyone else. You know, the truth is, I can remember a time, it lasted for about seven years, when I felt, it was towards the end of the 90s, I think. Yeah, it was, well, I know. Um, I think it was a six or seven year period when I just kept on going. I was running Oasis. It was before the church developed here. I was working for for another church. Oasis uh, was developing. But the truth is, all the joy of what I was doing had been sucked out of me. But I kept on going. Perseverance, of course, is an important part of life. And through those times, and of course, the endless struggle of life, you know, you You heard me say before that successful living is really three days between two crises. If you can do a whole three days without getting a worry in your life, you're going some. So for me, who knows what the week ahead is going to be like, but I can tell you about the week past. And there have been joys and triumphs and terrible failures. I've woken up to situations I thought we are never going to get this under control. I've sat in some meetings where we've got huge issues we've got to deal with. And equally, there are joys. So what I've learned over time is this. First of all, I've got to face my fears. Avoiding your fears doesn't do any good. Tucking it away again, the relationship that's broken down, the fact that you haven't spoken to your mum or dad in 10 years and it eats away at you, to take one little example. It's no good pushing it away again under the carpet and hoping it will slowly be dealt with. It will not be dealt with and that worry will come back and it will attack you time and time and time again and it will wear you down it's like a little cancer growing inside you cannot push it away it has to be dealt with it's an amazing thing isn't it but if we face our fears instead of bury our fears and deal with our fears though it seems a scarier pathway to take Actually, it's a wonderful start because fears do not fade with time. They grow into monsters and they destroy you. So, the best way 
is instead of worrying about worrying, accept the worry, greet the worry, embrace the worry, explore the worry, understand why you're worried. Instead of it being vague, sit down and deal with the worry, as Jesus did on that mountain where he prays. I'm worried, Father. I'm stressed. And even after he's been Uh, cared for by an angel he's still so anxious he's sweating tears of blood as blood vessels near to the surface of his skin break under the stress of his heart pounding so heavily deal with your fears drag them out don't bury them instead of worrying about worry accept the worry and deal with it We know, loads of medical research shows this, that those who deal with their worries are not so prone to the levels of depression and anxiety that those who try to push them away are. If you've got a huge worry this morning, take away, deal with it. Don't run away from it. But the point is this, how many of us... um, Point two, really, take control, but taking control doesn't mean allowing the worry just to feel, fill all your life. You know, it's last thing at night, you go to bed, you can't get to sleep, and the little worry soon grows, and before you know where you are, you're just flooded with these irrational thoughts, and you know that feeling, don't you? That kind of dark night of the soul feeling where everything is totally out of perspective and life isn't worth carrying on with and no one likes you anymore and you know, it's all over. If you're laying in bed like that, get up, have a cup of tea, watch a TV program, do something that distracts you from that worry. You do no good laying in bed like that tossing and turning, get up and do something about it. And three, I've learned that you need to set aside as designated time to worry. Jesus went to the mountain and he left his disciples and he went to pray. It was a designated time to worry. It says he prayed, his prayer was honest. Sometimes of our prayers are so liturgical, aren't they? Dear Lord this and dear Lord that. Prayer is like when you let it out about whatever it is. Set aside a designated time to worry. Sit down, give yourself 30 30, 30 minutes over a cup of coffee. Sit there and identify clearly the subject that you're worried about. Come up with a time and a place to think about that said worry. If you catch yourself worrying at a time other than your designated worry time, make a point to think about something else, but promise yourself you're going to sit down and you're going to deal with it. Step four, use your worry time productively to think of solutions to your worries, someone you can approach, someone you can talk to, a friend that you can go to. Think about it constructively. Number four, let your worry out. Sometimes it's really good to go in a room with no one in and just shout it out, let it out. If it's in you, it's destroying you. Just get it out there, say it, blurt it out. It doesn't matter how you say it. Have a friend that's close enough to you that you can just blurt it out 
to. Just get it out there. Say it as it is. Apologize for yourself as you go if you feel you need to. I normally do. But just get the whole thing out there. Who can... Who is a friend do you have in life that you can do that with? Now, we're a church. We're a community. And there should be someone here this morning that you can do that with. And if there's not, it might not be that they're all a problem. It might be that you're part of the problem as well. Some people go to church and then they say, well, I'm leaving the service after church. I've worshipped God. I'm not staying for the tea and coffee. Tea and coffee is part of worship. It's, that's why Jerry's done it donkey's years, you know, get, get the tea. It's part of worship because it's in that, those moments, for instance, <coughs> there are other ways, small groups, helping with the food bank, coming into the coffee shop, meeting people, helping out with this or that, but build friendships. If you rock up on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening here and do your hour and push off home, no wonder your faith isn't strong. Our faith is imputed to us through others, real friends, that we can tell how we're feeling. Now, I realise in all of this that sometimes, um, sometimes we're overwhelmed and there is no one to speak to. Mental health issues in our society have been pushed aside. The truth is, in reality, if you're struggling and you feel it's out of control, it's good to go see your GP and sit down and find some help because they can recommend you to a counsellor or a therapist. If you talk to GPs though, of course, what GPs will say is what people need is community. They need community. Who are we? Community. What have we been building? Community. In the end, a counsellor is a proxy for a community that's not as strong as it should be. In saying that, I understand that sometimes the stress and struggle of life becomes so overwhelming that professional help is needed. The Samaritans are great, aren't they? Get their number, you can find their number anywhere. I've got their number in these notes somewhere. Oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's 1161123. Double one six one two three. They're open 24 hours a day. You can dial the number, you can talk to someone. You can be totally honest. It's completely anonymous. But the truth is, our goal is to build community like that. If you can't find someone to talk to, write your worries down. In fact, writing your worries down is a really good thing to do. I write a lot of books. I'm just about to start writing a new book. I've got it in my brain. You know, I'm going to have a little crack at the outline this afternoon if I get round to it. And, um, and do you know why I write books? Because as I write, I don't know if anybody ever buys them or finds them helpful, but the thing is, I get so much sorted out in my head as I write. It gets clarified as I write it down. I think I understand stuff until I try and write it down and I realise I haven't got a grip of it at all. Write stuff down. Work it out. Write it down. Spend time, more time, in the present moment. I've I've, um, learned slowly to slow down. I... um, I got the bus here this morning. I used to drive every Sunday morning. I'd given up driving for most of the time. 
I, I walk as much as I can, and I got bus this morning, because I get on the bus, I think. It's just that little space in life to reflect. There's no point in trying to drive anywhere in London, is it? It takes you forever and a day, and you just get really stressed about it. Wander through the park. Wander through the streets. Stop. Think. Take some time. I'm saying this to myself. This may be relevant to you. It may not be relevant to you. Take time for meditation. By meditation, I don't mean anything big except time to sit down and to reflect. All the research, all the research shows that people who take time to stop and reflect in a systematic way are people with lower anxiety levels. It changes our brain, I'm told. It changes the shape of your brain. It changes the chemicals your brain produces. Refocus on that small step you can take to move forward in your position. Just that one small step. And taking that one small step, I've learned, will highlight the next two or three steps beyond it as you move on. But lastly, coming back exactly to Jesus. Um, let's go back to this. Jesus said, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Here's what I was taught when I was a kid. And it's one, you know, a lot of things you get taught when you're a kid are daft, aren't they? But some of them are really good. And I was taught about the Bible. When there's a therefore, you should always see what it's there for. Right? If there's a therefore, always look at what it's there for. Because obviously it's linking more than one thing together. It's linking two thoughts together. And that's, we end back at exactly the problem we started out with. That people yank the Bible out of context and use it, they weaponize it and use it on you to destroy you. I'd like to read to you the context of what Jesus said, a bit more than Danielle read. Here it is, from chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Invest in what God's doing, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. No one, no one, can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And we like to rub that out. You can do a bit of both. Jesus says, in the end, you cannot serve God and money. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat and drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And then he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all his splendor, was not dressed like one of these. And then Jesus comes on to say this. But seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, 
and his justice, his righteousness, his right way of doing things. That's what that word righteous means. Righteousness means it's not a, uh, righteousness. It's do things the right way. But seek first God's kingship and his right way of doing stuff. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. You see, Jesus acknowledges the days have got trouble in. What he's really saying is what I read in an NHS report. I read a, a fair bit of a huge NHS report um, uh, in just uh, preparing uh, for this. And basically, what the NHS report said is this. There's a little quote from the NHS report. It says... Um, well, actually, this is a, it's, a, it's some research from the Medical Research Council of England. And here's the quote. Keep your hands and mind busy. This interferes with the storing and encoding of negative visual images. Keep your hands busy and your mind distracted. It's what Jesus said. Get some focus. Here's the truth. When I, um, when I, I became a Christian when I was 14, but the first couple of years of being a Christian, I had some sense of direction. I knew what I should achieve. Um, but the truth is, I was wrapped up. I put it like this because it's true. I was wrapped up with looking in the mirror. I was wrapped up with my own stuff and how I didn't have what everybody else had and I couldn't wear the same kind of jeans as they had because they're the things you worry about when you're 14. I was wrapped up with the fact that I didn't have a girlfriend and I, you know, looked ugly and my nose was too big, which it definitely is. And I was wrapped up with uh, the fact that I lived in a white South London and I was half Indian and half English and they used to call me a half-caste and they used to laugh at me. I was wrapped up in all of that stuff and it just went round and round in my head all the time. And I remember the day when I realised I could live in this descending spiral forever or I could pause, stop and go in a different direction. Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom. You can't store up for yourself treasures here on earth. It won't work. The moths will get it. The vermin will get it. So store up for yourselves treasures that are worth storing up somewhere else. You can't serve two masters money. We all need money, of course. I'm, this isn't an anti-kind of, you know, money kind of thing. We need money to survive. Poverty, actual sheer financial poverty, is crippling some people yards from this building. We need to be concerned about that. But once we turn our gaze to those things, the things of the kingdom of God, once we get our focus on where we should be going, our worries become trivialized. It's not that they're no longer there. They are still there. I still worry. I'm worried about all sorts of things. But the truth is, worry doesn't become debilitating and it doesn't take over. And you're not in the rocking chair called worry that goes backwards and forwards but never gets anywhere. Your life is transformed as you're given direction. Now, it so happens that in preparing this, I read bits of several reports and blogs with 10 great tips for, you know, overcoming stress and all of that. And in the end... 
Every single one of them said, do something positive with your Get some exercise, get out, don't sit in a chair, go running or work out and all of that kind of stuff. But in the end they said, all of that is no good unless you get direction. We sang a song at the beginning, uh, Paul led us in a song called Jesus Saves. Perhaps you come from a church tradition where you think Jesus saves means when you finally snuff it, you'll go to heaven. I know that Jesus had an emphasis on life beyond death and a hope of life beyond death. And I'm not trying to diminish that. But Jesus' overwhelming emphasis was on life before death. Life after birth, not life after death. And his overwhelming emphasis was you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve yourself and others. So choose, make your mind up. Seek first God's kingdom and his right way of doing stuff. And all of these things will be given to you. Therefore, don't worry. That's what the the therefore is there for. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you that this gospel, this gospel that we've sung about where Jesus saves is one that's real for us. That as we choose to submit our will to the will of Christ, as we choose to live a life that puts others first, that's not self-centered and self-centric, that serves you and serves others, so our existence is transformed. The meaning of us being here is transformed. Purpose is built into us. As we go the extra mile, as we give ourselves again, as we metaphorically wash the feet of others, put their needs before ours, as part of our worship of you, our lives are transformed and we find hope. This week, in these next seven days, help us to find ways of serving and ways of giving. Help us, bring us to the place where we can climb out of the worry that's debilitating through friends, through writing, through taking exercise, through taking time to think through our issues, through talking with others, but through serving you. This is our prayer together. Amen.